Father, we indeed come to the well, to the well of life, where we can find the true water that can only quench our thirst, our spiritual thirst. And we thank you, Father, that you give that truth to us by way of your word. And now, Father, we invite and have already invited the presence, presence of the Holy Spirit to come and to be with me as I speak, as your word goes forth. May you quench, may you quench, Father, those deep, deep spiritual thirsts that resides in all of us. We thank you for it now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. As the praise team is making their way to their seats, you can stand so they won't have to sit down and stand back up. And we're going to continue on in our sermon series of Romans, God's message to the whole world. And tonight, sanctification from suffering to glory. And we're going to be reading just two verses tonight. And we're going to go from verse 17 to verse 18. Here we go. And if children also heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. This is the word of God. You may have your seats. This sermon series for Romans started out with me as a pastor here at Urban Hope Community Church and somewhere all around Birmingham as well. I told people and gave a warning to God's people that there was a great shaking that was coming. In fact, I've been speaking of this shaking for some time now. I warned that this shaking would be very intense within the American church or in our society. As both Chad and Dion alluded to, and I don't have to tell many of you what took place over last week with a decision in a city I actually used to live in, Louisville, and there's been more upheaval, and I would probably predict it would be more of that probably going forward. It's kind of what I would call the new normal some of you say, when is this going to go away? I don't think it ever will. It's here to stay. And I told you that its very purpose was to divide, separate, and create a constant atmosphere of hostility and animosity. And I've been kind of sharing this for over 10 years, that something that would come would, would involve race didn't know all the details. God didn't share all of that with me, but I just knew race was 
had something to do with it. Race and ethnicity would be a part of this shaking. And I've been saying here at Urban Hope Community Church that only those who are deeply, and I say deeply embedded in the gospel of grace, that they would be the ones that would be able to suffer and undergo the constant persecution for the gospel's sake of loving their enemies. Heard Dion praying this. I don't know how he got into my sermon notes, but he did by the spirit of God. For the sake of the gospel of loving their enemies and their brothers and sisters across racial lines. In these new, normal, turbulent times. And this is why the reason why we went to the book of Romans. This is why we went there a year ago to kind of get ahead of what we saw coming. And really, ever since the um, Trayvon Martin and George Floyd, it's just been one after another. And I mentioned that the prayer um, about the uh, if you haven't seen the documentary yet on the social dilemma. If you really want to know what's happening, you can go there. And I'm pretty sure you will be able to see if you're a social media person, you, your nerves are going to stay on <laughs> on edge all the time because it's coming from left and right and everywhere else. And so we went to the book of Romans. And so my first keynote slide speaking to this and how we are trying to help us have a gospel understanding of God's message to the whole world. And so what we see here in chapter one of Romans, first thing Paul tell us, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. This good news. Because it is the power, the dunamis of God for salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew and also to the Greek Gentiles, the whole world. That's everybody. I put Gentiles. It says Greek there. The whole world. God is leaving no one out. Black, brown, red, and everybody else in between. God's remedy to the world is through the gospel. And Paul lets us know that he is not ashamed of this gospel. But there's a world who's seeking, as Romans 12, 2 says, it's seeking to conform us, to make us ashamed of this gospel to mold us into its views and its worldly understandings of race and ethnicity and everything else in between. But Paul says to all of us, to the Jew and to the Gentiles and to the whole world, that we are not to be ashamed of this gospel, for it is the power of God to save, to transform both the Jew and the Greek, the Gentiles. That's the whole world. And then Paul goes on to the second thing he tells us in God's message to the whole world. In my second slide, Paul says, what then? You see what it says? The whole world guilty before God. And Paul says, what then? Are we any better off? Talking about the Jews. They were the people that God used to bring his oracles and the Ten Commandments of the word of God into this world. And then Paul is saying, what then? Are we any better off? Talking about the Jews. Not at all, Paul says, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. As it is written, Paul says, there's no one, no one, there's no one 
Hebrew Israelites, there's no one. There's no one. Hit that in your heart. There's no one. Africans, Americans, white, Europeans, Australians, Germans, there is no one. Biracial, there is no one. Righteous. Not even one, Paul says. Next verse. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. And there's no one who does what is good. Not even one. God's message to the whole world. No matter what you read on the social media outlets, please don't get caught up in a worldview that somehow because of pigmentation of skin color, there are some righteous people because of the melon in your skin or the lack of melon thereof. The word of God says no one, Jew and Gentile, the whole world, no one is good in the sight of God. And then the next slide tell us why. For all. All means all in Greek. If you want to go study Greek, it still means all. All have what? Sin. Any among you who have not sinned, let you pick up the rock and stone Pastor Hardy. If you have not sinned today, you have not sinned never, pick up the stone. Try to, if you're going to hit me, as my friend Greg Nixon says, hit me hard so I don't have to linger with suffering. <laughs> Kill me good. <laughs> Don't let me suffer, but that's what I'm going to get into, suffering. And fall short of the glory of God. It's interesting. All have sinned, and we fall short of the glory of God because of sin. One of God's greatest, some would say his greatest attribute, you see it throughout the scriptures, and God has many attributes, his justice, his righteousness, but I would say the one that tops them all is that God is holy. So we see in Isaiah 6, that's what we see in, in the book of Revelation as the angels, the holiness of God. And I've spoken about this before and it's finite human beings as we are, we have no idea or no comprehension of the holiness of God. And that is what messes with us. I love the way R.C. Sproul on one of his shows in his conferences, somebody asked a stupid question, R.C. Sproul went off, you know, old man, he just like, we have no idea who God is. And that's part of the problem of his holiness. So when we say God said we have all sinned, and we fall short of his holiness. I don't think that goes over the average person's head. They have no idea of the, the magnitude of God's holiness. When Moses asked to see him. God said, well, I'm going to come by you and you can see my hind parts, my back. No man can see me in human form and live. I'm holy. 
As 2 Chain says in one song, for some of you who don't know what hip hop is, I'm different. I'm not like you. You don't want to just play with me. The holiness of God. And so we have established that sanctification in this Romans chapter 8, that it is the work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God. And we are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. All sanctification is on what it means is to make someone holy. That's what it is. Sanctification is God working his holiness in you and I. To make us holy. As children of God, called out of the world, called out of Egypt, God is sanctifying us by the work of his spirit in our hearts that we would die more and more to sin and live unto more and more for righteousness. And in that, he's conforming and renewing us after the image of his son. And so as God's children, as verse 17 says, and heirs and co-heirs with Christ, we should expect, we should expect to suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. That's what Paul says in verse 17 of Romans. We should expect to suffer. Now, this is where a lot of false teachings have crept in, seeped into the church, and it has distorted biblical Christianity. Like, again, Dion was praying in chat, was talking. I don't know how they knew how to say what they said, but they must have been in my notes. But it just shows you the Holy Spirit is confirming because there is a false Christianity that has seeped in. And I know being a shepherd and being a pastor, some of you have fallen prey to this deception. It's all around us. You turn your TV on late at night and you love that good looking guy called J.O. Not J.O. in Jackson, the school here in Birmingham. J.O. in Dallas, Texas. No, Houston, Texas. <laughs> I know the name. I ain't going to say anything. It's on Facebook. Y'all figure it out. <laughs> but Carl, put the text up of back to Romans. Well, God's children were co-heirs and heirs, were sons and daughters of God, were being led by the Spirit of God, were the children of God. You say, well, I'm a child of God. God's Spirit lives in me. Surely, Surely, pastor, if God is good, because we sing it here at Urban Hope all the time, then why is bad happening to me? It's a fair question. I get it. 
God is good. But why am I money tight? Children want to fight. Can't find no daylight. Why are you so uptight? Why the demons come out at night? Just all rhymes. You're probably saying, if God is good, why is it always? So let's get at some of these falsehoods and teachings. I've heard this one. If you're a Christian, then suffering would not come near you. How many of you have heard that one? If you're a Christian, you accept Jesus into your life. There will be no more rainy days. If you're a child of God, then you will not ever get sick. Boy, you're in the word of faith. They tell you that all the time. God wants you to be healed. Come on, get your faith up. Come on up here. You know, in the new churches now, they come and put money down. So we don't have an altar here, but at the new church, we're going to have an altar. So y'all will be able to come and put money down while I'm preaching. <laughs> got to put some of that stuff in there. You know, I got I to gotta be, be for all people. You know? <laughs> now, if you want to come up and put a $20 down, just make sure it's a real 20 I'm going to have Brother Quest check it out. Put that little marker on it. If it's a 20 we're going to put it right back in your pocket. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. But... If you're a child of God, you will never get sick. God don't want his children getting sick. Man, I was close to almost believing that stuff. Close. I mean, I was about, man, I was about two days away from, yeah, I believe I was supposed to get sick. Until, <laughs> you know, in our old church in Grand Rapids, man, you get a cough, you know, you coughing around. It's kind of like now if you cough, everybody looking at you, man, get away. You got the COVID, you know. So you got a cough. You want to get far away. You want way out in the woods. You know, I was on the trail and I had the cough, had something in my throat. But if I knew, because I don't wear a mask, I knew a cough. I started coughing on that trail. And there was a lot of people out there. I'm a big dude. I knew what was going to happen. He got the COVID. <laughs> So I was holding it, trying to wait till everybody get away from me so I could, <laughs> you know, and all I had was just some, some, some biscuits, juice or something, Sandra had cooked, was in my throat. That's all it was. <laughs> brisket. <laughs> I said biscuit, I should have said brisket. <laughs> It's another one. If you're a child of God, you will never experience affliction, roadblocks, persecution, hardships, setbacks, depression, and etc. We hear that stuff all the time. It's all over the airways. God wants you rich. He don't want you broke. He wants you highly favored and your bills paid off driving a new car every year. That's not the God of the Bible. Yeah, quote Abraham. He was rich. King David was rich. Solomon was rich. God wants you like Bill Gates. Have y'all guys ever done a study on rich folks and see how many of them don't believe in God? You just, just for the sake. I mean, just read the Bible for what it says. Jesus don't say a lot of good stuff about rich folks. That's, that's when I started reading the Bible. That got me off that rich train. 
I said, Lord, you ain't, <laughs> the guys don't have it good. But nevertheless, it sells, sells lots of books. But Paul says, um, we're children, we're heirs, we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified him. But we got a lot of false stuff out there. And Peter goes into this. And this is one of my slides. This is what Peter says about this suffering as it relates to Christians. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, it wasn't an osmosis. It wasn't a ghost. That's one of the heretical teachers of Christ that when he came, he seemed like a human, but he was really like a spirit or mist. He was like a ghost. His feet really never touched the ground. No, Christ was really fully human. That's why when he came to the wall and Thomas, who hadn't been there the first time, Christ says, look at my hands. Touch me. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, Thomas. I'm real deal. This is flesh and blood. In fact, let me eat some fish here. I'm, a ghost don't eat. <laughs> we eat because we're humans. So Jesus said, touch. See, put your hand on my side. And what did Thomas say? My Lord and my God. So Christ suffered in the flesh. He was not a ghost. He said, arm yourselves, talking to Christians, also with the same understanding. Process it. Think about it. Christ suffered in the flesh. So you as Christians, arm yourselves also with the same understanding because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. That's the work of sanctification. It's fighting, resisting that old man, sin nature that seeks to recapture his lost ground. So Peter is saying to the Christians, those who suffer in the flesh, they are finished with sin. Fighting against it. Verse two, in order to live the remaining time that you have in this short life called a vapor, this temporary life. To live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. Next verse. For there has already been enough time. Because let's say you get saved about 35. You come to know the Lord. You know, I'm 54. You know, give or take. You know, average black man in America lives to about 65, 62. In my family, we haven't had a brother live past 65 yet. We got a couple of them pushing close. We're trying to see if anyone's going to make it past 65. So give or take, I'm 54. What? 10 more years? 65. Y'all know that? That was black guy in America is about 62, 63. So let's say you get saved about 35, 40. You ain't got that much time left. So, so Peter says, you've already spent enough time in doing what the Gentiles choose to do, which is just do whatever they want to do. NBA, young boy mindset. Just live for you. Do what thou will. The church that Jay-Z wears, that kind of, you know, Entanglement lifestyle of, of, of Jada Pinkley and Will Smith, whatever that is. Just Gentile life living. I call it Canaanite living. 
They just make up rules. <laughs> She's just like, I got marriage, but I don't make up. Well, come on, let's make up our own rules. <laughs> so that's what he's saying. For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do. Carrying on in their unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies. Shouldn't have to explain that. It's self-explanatory. And carousing and lawless idolatry. Where do you think that is? Lawless idolatry. Well, what is idolatry? It's putting anything above God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It's making what we think is God. We make the rules. But it says lawless idolatry, law-breaking. So now you can be angry and you can say to yourself, well, you stole some land from me so I can go downtown Chicago, take a big rock and break your windows out and steal all your Gucci wear because you did me wrong some 258 years ago. It's no longer called stealing. It's called because I just made the law up. Lawless idolatry. Whatever suits me in my mindset, whatever I say is right and wrong, we make the laws as we go. Not according to the word of God. That's what you're seeing. Lawless idolatry. Putting human interests above God. Putting my own interests above that of God and his laws. Show you how relevant the Bible is. And so Peter says, this is suffering we have to go through. It gets worse. For those of us who've been called out of Egypt and we're on our way to the city that God has built, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, promised land, the, what God has called us to be, the will of God, living out our life to the, to the praise of God's glory. And then Peter says, when you start to live for God, and Peter says, they are surprised. Who? Who's the day? The world, the lost, the unredeemed, the children of the devil. We spoke about that a week ago. The tares, not the wheat. They are surprised that you don't join them in their marches. Now I'm preaching. Word of God. Didn't know it was in there, didn't you? They are surprised that you don't go out and say persons' names. That you don't quote pagan rituals. Why are you not down with us? This is one guy I used to follow. No, they call him Stack. Stephen Jackson. He just, he just a you know, whoremonger guy. He just took it on. He's, he's going to save the black world. He's all on Facebook and I'm sharing, I'm following him on Instagram. And every time I see him, all I can see is smoke in the background. He just rolling up a big fat doobie. And he's just talking, you know, I'm the streets right, the streets are with me, you know. And he and he he ain't got no love for the if you you have no melody in your skin, he 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 didn't pretty much crossed over to the dark side. So Paul says, Peter says, they are surprised that you don't join in them in their same flood of wild living. And look at what it says. And they will slander you. 
Let me update that in modern terms. They will cancel you. Cancel culture. <laughs> you don't live for, like they live. You talk about marriage. You speak about men marrying wives, breaking down the fatherless, um, social pathology in the community. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear what they want to hear, what they think is righteous, what they think is justice. While well, they're committing injustice. And so since you don't join in, you get canceled on Facebook, Greg. If you're hanging out with the wrong color people, you get canceled. You are sellout, Pastor Elton. Why? Because you hang out with white people. You can't be down with the black people. You've lost who you are, man. Look at you. Don't you know what didn't happen? It's happening. And what are you going to do with it? That's only going to increase. You're African-American in the room. Your friend's going to cut you off on Facebook if you go in there talking about we are one in Christ. Post it on Facebook and see what happens. Then you're going to say the word slander there means to be evil spoken of. You're going to get blasphemed. Someone's going to speak evil of your reputation. They're going to rail against you. They're going to revile against you. They're going to say that you're not down with the cause. That's what happened with Barkley and Charles and Shaq O'Neal. They got canceled. I saw the other day, Shaq is already losing. He's losing sponsors. I said, man, this thing is real. And you can add to it. But they are surprised that you don't join in into the same flood of wild living. Lawless idolatry, carousing, drunkenness, orgies, desires of the flesh. You're going to get canceled. Well, the first thing Paul, Apostle Paul, tell us in our scriptures today. That we. Um, as sons and daughters of God and heirs of God, Paul tells us in verse 18 that we are to, verse 18, that we are to consider. That word there, Greek word there, is to reckon, which means to, we've talked about this word before. This is the first time Paul has used this word to consider, which Paul is saying is to take into account. The gospel is a thinking gospel. You got to think about what it is. It can't just be all emotion. You have to sit down and set your mind and your affections on the things which are above. You got to focus in on what Jesus actually has done. That's what I tried to post the other day when I posted on Facebook. What does it mean if a man is standing at a mount and he's standing there and said, go into all the world and preach the gospel as he's standing there and he starts being lifted up with holes in his hand. And he's saying all power has been given over to me. You go therefore and he's being lifted up. And the disciples are looking at him. What does that really mean? Is that a trick to my mind? Is that a fake imagery? Or did that really happen? And he says, as you see me go this way, 
So shall I return again. Not like a lamb, though. That time has passed. That's a mighty warrior. A lion of Judah. What does that mean? Does that have any implications on how we live and how we understand what it is that we're doing? How many of you have seen a person just lift off the ground and that was dead three days, that was dead earlier? People saw him die. He was crucified. He died. He was buried in a tomb. But as the old Baptist preachers say, but three days later, <laughs> three days later, three days later, he was out of that tomb. And many saw him. Many saw this Christ. So Paul says, consider. Wrecking, taking into account the benefits of the gospel. And that's important, the benefits of what it does. Justification, having peace with God. Sanctification, the spirit of God takes up residence within us. Paul says, consider all of what the gospel is. And he says, consider so that the sufferings of this present time that you and I encounter in this present time. Paul says, think on the gospel as you and I interact in this present time with the sufferings that we encounter on a daily basis. What are some of those present sufferings? I put here death to loved ones and family members. When our children and close friends disappoint us, those of you who have children, if you live long enough, your children will disappoint you. It's a suffering that goes with that. You pray hard, you're out at the parties, and you know, and you just, that, that stuff worries parents. Like, you know, you don't know, you know, children can get co-opted in all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of illegal drugs at parties. You know, I know when Sandra and I, early in our days, when Jeremiah was here, and he was hanging, we was like, who are you hanging with? He was always trying to say, they're good guys. How do we know they're good? We never met the people before. You know, and you don't want to be an overbearing parent, but you just don't know. You don't want to get no phone call. Where you at? And he hang out in Gardendale and we got Trayvon Martin stuff going on. We looking around. We don't know these folks out here. We don't know. You a big black guy walking around Fairfield, driving around a little shiny Mustang. Where you at? <laughs> Me and Sandra both tossing and turning in the bed. And he's like, I'm at somebody's house. Whose house? It's Jesus in the house. <laughs> we want to know. And then there's the sufferings of sickness, like COVID-19. How many have succumbed to that? And then there's the sufferings of past and present and future poverty and social injustice and racism. And then in, because of that, and then there's the suffering of living out the gospel for racial and ethnic Harmony. 
there's a suffering that's attached to that. And so you would say, Pastor Hardy, what would motivate us to endure these kinds of sufferings in this present time? What would motivate us? What would motivate us to endure this suffering in these present times? Well, Paul says that these sufferings of this present time, they are not worth comparing with the glory. Remember that glory that we all fall short of in Romans 3.23? Now Paul says that there's a glory that God is revealing to us through our sufferings that God is revealing to his people, his sons and daughters. This glory. Don't have time. We've spoken about this glory. It's a really, it's a word that's it's, it's beyond our ability to put meat on the bone to it. It's weighty. It's the majestic majesty of God. It's all of who he is. It's hard for me just to tell you in one sentence, who is God? It's, it's, that would take all of the books that could be written. There are not enough books that could be written to explain to us who God is. It's beyond from what I can, con can con communicate to you today of the glory of God. But Paul says these present temporary monetary sufferings of this present time, they are not worth comparing with the glory, the doxa, the weightiness of the glory that is going to be to reveal to us what God is doing. 1 Corinthians 2 9 says, But as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human heart has conceived in the mind that God has prepared these things for those who love Him. Revelation 21, 23, and 23. The things are all wrapped up. And Revelation says, I did not see a temple in it, John says, because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon. Like we have the sun that rises up in the morning and the moon at night, but in this new city, this holy city, this new Jerusalem, it will need no more sun, it will need no more moon, because the glory of God illuminates it. And his lamp is the lamb. He can't put words to what God is telling us. It's incomparable. And part of what Satan tries to do with us is to get us to focus on a short vapor lifespan. Build your big barns and your homes, which all will burn. Paul is saying these momentary sufferings that we go through, they are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed in us. 
Why is this so important? And I end here. Give me five minutes. Put it here in my notes. There's a suffering that comes along with walking out and in racial and ethnic harmony. I've been doing it for a long time. I've lost a lot of people along the way. That's the suffering aspect of it. Because the forces of hell says you will not live out that reality. And so when you decide to make it up in your mind that you're going to take Jesus at his words, here comes a suffering. Here comes a misunderstanding. Here comes a whole lot of stuff. We as a country and a nation, as African and white Christians in America, we've never done it. It's never been a consistent way of life. It's always been separated. But God has chosen a generation for his own purpose and glory that will not run. We're walking right into it. You young people, what your forebears and your grandparents couldn't do, you will do. You're going to walk it out. You're going to take God at his word. And you're going to say, that's my brother and my sister. And the forces of Baal this and KK that. And the forces will say, well, you sold out. You love black folks. You're going to get called names. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to malign you. You need to set your face like a flint. Because it's not going to get any lighter from here. And I've been warning you, this is where the children of God must live out in this present age. The gospel. And so if you have a prosperity like gospel, you will hide and run from the suffering. And try to say, well, God don't want me to suffer. He just want me to get along and be in the by and by. But I, no, it's not going to happen like that. And there's a fatigue to it. You got to have conversations you don't want to have. You got to say and love and, and, in, and endure just some things. You just like, man, I got better things to do. But it's all part of the call and the suffering into living out the gospel across racial and ethnic lines. So this weekend, especially to my African-American brothers here, I've been very clear about what God's call on Urban Hope is, the manifold. I didn't ask for it, it's part of God's calling. All that we see at the prayers, all that we see happening around us, it's part of God saying, um, this is, this is I'm, and it's a whole new way of things doing done here in Birmingham. People think like, well, how is this happening? I, it's not happening because we are just strong in our own strength. It's because God is within us and he's compelling us. So this weekend, with one of our big partners, Oak Mountain Presbyterian, and even in that, for them to be there, to be even wanting to do it, it's just a miracle in itself. These kinds of things didn't take place four or five years ago, but it's happening now. We'll go, we'll walk in leadership. We'll walk in the authority that God has placed within us. And when truth needs to be spoken, we speak. When there's something that's not according to the gospel, we refute it in the gospel. We're not beggars. We're made in the image and likeness of God. And God is doing a great work. I need us to show up, walk in there and tell them what all of what God is doing here in Fairfield and how they can be a part of that. We acknowledge the past. We acknowledge that there were 
Jim Crow laws and water fountains and people went this way and that way. And no one spoke the truth of God's word to it. But that day has come and gone. Urban Hope is not running. We're walking into it. But why? Because we know that we are the children of God. And therefore, let's lament together of the past. But we need all hands on deck here in Fairfield. So we're going to say about the past. But here's what you can do to help support this building. This restaurant for us to get a full time person up at that college for us to get a youth group leader for Fairfield High School and for minor high school so we can do the work of God. You don't have to spend all your money on big boats and yachts that you'll never hard to take a ride in. You can put your money in the kingdom. And you'll get good results from it and you'll sleep better at night, too. <laughs> That's what we say. Now, you should have did this back in 1960. But we can't deal with the 60s. We're dealing with the 2020. That's suffering. And some of you are probably like, man, Pastor, I'm just, I'm just tired of talking. About it. I'm with you. I'm there lots of times. I can't imagine the questions some of y'all get on your jobs, the questions I get through. Instagram and man, if I it has to be a real Holy Spirit because I probably went crazy by now. But you know what God has warned me? It's part of suffering. It's for my glory. You're only gonna be here for a short period of time, Alton. One of the things me and Greg say in our clothes, you know, how you walk into suffering. Guys, when you get to me and Sandra's age. You realize how short life is. See, I've, all my parents are dead. It's something about when your parents die and you bury them, you see them. Life takes on a whole new meaning. A lot of y'all are young. You've not experienced death in your family. You've not lost brothers and sisters. So right now, it's still, it's still kind of a fantasy. But when you stand at your mother's funeral and your father's funeral of one of your loved ones, this stuff's going to make sense to you. What is life? It's a vapor. What is eternity that Paul is referring to this glory? Greg and I say for a billion trillion years, we will hang out with each other. This is why I said last week, who are your true brother and your true sister? And so Paul said with that, you. It's not worth comparing. Focus on heaven. Think about it, the real reality. And so we need you to sign up. This is what you need to do. So we can go over there next Sunday, next Saturday, say six o'clock, six to nine. We talk, we lead, we interject, we pray, we love. And we say, Lord, this is. And some of you, you're in your 20s. Your parents never did anything like this. And you got to ask yourself. This is how I think. I didn't get it from a commentary. God had a generation of disciples called the apostles that he had chosen for a time. He came at that time, Peter, James and John and all the rest. God has a generation for this. Why are you? Why not your parents and your grandparents? They never met and had dialogues like this. Why are you? 
this is your time. This is part of the call. This is what's behind Urban Hope. So with that being said, let me pray and we can be dismissed. Father, we thank you so much for your truth and your word. For it is your word, according to John 17, 17. It is your word that sanctifies us. For your word is truth. And Lord, you are sanctifying us and making us holy. You've called us out of Egypt. You've placed your spirit on the inside of us. And those who are being led by your spirit, we are the children of God. And we are co-heirs and heirs with Christ. We're in a new family called the bride of Christ, the church, who's been called out from every tongue and tribe and every people group from the world called the church. That's the church that we see in the book of Revelation, people from every tongue and tribe and nation standing before your holy throne, crying out with all the myriad of angels. Worshiping you. And Lord, you've told us that your prayers that your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, we are getting the opportunity here in Birmingham of all places to walk out a gospel lived experience of life on life with our brothers who you made and created for your own glory. As we read from the Isaiah, you have made the people and you've created them from your own glory and you've called them from every nation. And Father, we know that there's a suffering into it because we've never done it. There's all kinds of agitations and, 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 and just fears and phobias and stereotypes that we have that the enemy has has conformed us to. But Lord, you are the God that's transforming us by your word and you're renewing us and conforming us to the image of your son. And as we are suffering into this, we pray that we don't become faint hearted, lose heart, lose faith and doubt your truth and your word. But we pray that we live into it as you have called us to it. And this is my prayer that I pray for today and for next Saturday. Holy Spirit, have your way. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Patrick, come up here and give a prayer and just miss us out. Stand to your feet, please. They may not be on. Hold on.